Welcome, everyone. I am, of course, I'm Albert, and this is my podcast. As you can see, I've invited some of the brightest minds in the solo podcasting world. Renowned pilot, Julius Besser. How y'all doing there, folks? And let's get us started with episode 137. Hi, y'all, everybody. <laughs> is that you mimicking me? That was me mimicking you that time. I will shoot you. <laughs> well, I'm just, you I, know, I will. saying it was really cool. I liked it. That's why I'm I will it. shoot you. It was a is that okay? Is that okay if I shoot you? If you must. If you must. Why are you adding to my stress, Albert? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we do here at the One Player Podcast. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. No, we really get along. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I'm tired. Yeah, you've been busy, haven't you? Yeah, we're going through all the Jewish holidays are right now, and we got so much going on at work, and I've just been so busy. I've been really busy. That's really what it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I've, lately, I'm just always busy, too, um, especially after we got that puppy, that third dog. Uh, and that's why, listeners, this episode is about a week late. Sorry about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're doing what we can. Oh, and I also went off to that soul, uh, that uh, game design day up in St. Louis, which was also really fun. Oh, nice. Yeah? I got to push solo variants and tell a bunch of people, hey, you should really include solo variants in your games. And I was like, yeah, I really should. <laughs> nice. Okay. So they're listening, you think? I think they're listening. Again, I really think that the industry trend is continuing to move towards it. A bun- I-, I spoke with a bunch of people there like, yeah, we've heard a lot about it. It's really nice to speak with you. I'll probably reach out to you more and see what you think about our solo modes and things like that. And from my talking with the designers and people there, yeah, as a trend, the industry continues to move to to designers wanting to put a check mark on the solo variant included category because you know it gets seats it gets people interested that people might otherwise pass on it because people like having solo modes for all the various different reasons that we've talked about before but there's enough of a market demand for solo modes that people want to have it in there so when i got to talk to designers about it they're like yeah we would love to have solo modes we don't yet but we'd like to have a solo mode with a couple exceptions yeah, and what what kind of reasons are the exceptions? Oh no no, the couple exceptions were the other side for the people who already had solo modes. Ah, there there were a couple okay. of games that people had listed as being one to x number of players. There was actually a one to two player game. There was a campaign game called Townies, which I didn't get to sit in on a play test, but I kibitzed. I watched somebody else play through a play test of it, and it's a campaign game. Uh, sort of looks like a book. Um, we were running through a campaign, some scenarios, building out a town was my best understanding of it. But from the brief amount that I saw, it looks really interesting. Solo friendly. It's designed for either one or two players. It looks really cool. Well, nice. Cool. Okay. And then there were some people who just said, nah, there's too much conflict in this game. There, there were there was a couple people who said, there's just too much conflict in this game to make it solo friendly. Okay. Yeah, and I understand that sometimes sometimes that that makes sense. Some sometimes you have to tweak the game just way too much to make it solo friendly. I don't think Morton's going to agree with you. No. <laughs> See, Morton, last time I said, "Nah, there's no way you're going to make this game in solo friendly." And so last time I said that about patchwork, that I thought patchwork would be a hard one to manage how you're doing the time-based bit plus the fact that you can only move three forward and sometimes different tiles have different values late game and early game. So between that and the fact that time works differently in that game, that time is a commodity, I didn't think you'd be able to script an automa for it. But, you know, Morton is definitely trying. I haven't seen the final version of that yet, but Morton is definitely on the way to proving me wrong on that one. So <laughs> I'm not convinced. Nice. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I definitely had a really good time with that. Mm-hmm. I, I did feel... So it was a, a weekend? Or? It was just a Sunday, which is about the only kind of okay. convention that I can go to, practically. So it was just a Sunday. So we sat and we played playtest games for about eight hours. Um, I played a bunch of playtest wow. games. Um, definitely had some standoff ones that I thought were a lot of fun. Um, neither of which currently have solo modes. But if they do get solo modes and they mm-hmm. had to kickstart our publishing, I will definitely mention them and talk about my experiences with them. Um but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I could probably actually pull open the names of them if anybody's curious what they are. Are you curious, Albert, what the names of those two were? 
Sure, if you can talk about him. Give me just a second. I'm going to pull it Let's open. See. Yep. Yep. Because I want to mention it correctly. So, yeah, the two games that really stood out to me were one was called Subatomic and the other was Subterranean City. Subatomic was a deck building style game where if you're of a scientific type bent, you'll probably like it. You are drafting protons, nu- uh, protons, neutrons and electrons to try and build up enough of a deck to then draft full atoms. So beryllium, helium, all those sorts of things. And then once you have the atoms, you play an area placement, an area control game to try and pick up points. So the atoms themselves are worth points for being in your deck, but you can play them to work area control to get more points at the end of the game. Um, I liked how the style of it goes. The art was pretty light and fun. And moving through it, it was a quick, quick moving little deck building game that I thought was really a lot of fun. So that's subatomic. Um, currently it does not have a solo mode. I was chatting with the designer there, John Coveyu, and about some ideas for what I thought for solo modes, and he was interested in trying them out, so we'll definitely see how that one comes out. Um, the other one that I thought was the standout for me was called Subterranean Cities, and I think that's a working title. This is by James Munger. I assume that's a working title because I know he was talking about different ideas for how he was going to work on theme and work on a bit more design for it. But in Subterranean Cities, it's a tile placement type game where you are creating a giant robot that's moving around underground. And underground, there are tiles that you can pick up to add to your robot's blueprints. And so you'll move your robot meeple around the board, pick up those tiles, and then build them into your robot. And there's blueprints that are cards along the side of the board. So, like, there's four colors to the different robot tiles. Red, blue, green, and yellow, I think they were. Whatever, there's four colors. And the blueprints have those different colors in different spaces. So, for example, if you have a line of four greens, that may fill out one of the um, blueprints. And then as soon as you build a robot with those four greens, those four green tiles degrade or drop off. You score points for that blueprint tile. A new blueprint tile comes out, a new blueprint card comes out, and you continue doing that over three rounds. So you continue to use your actions to grab those tiles to continue to build up your robot to keep losing parts of your robot to fill out the blueprints. Uh, Again, another light, fun, fast-moving one that I thought was also really good. And so, again, those were my two standouts from the design day were Subatomic and Subterranean Cities. Nice. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. And and these are still playtesting, so there's no guarantee they'll come out yet. Uh, Subatomic is being done by a publishing house i'd have to look up and see which one it is i can probably look that up real quick i don't have it off the top of my head and i didn't make mention of it in my notes just a sec uh yeah subatomic is by genius games and i mean there it's already got a bgg entry they're continuing i don't see any images or anything for it on bgg at least not right now i do see that they have it being listed as one to four players on bgg I don't know who added it or when that happened or how that all occurred. I'm actually going to subscribe to it right now just so I can get continued updates on it because I thought it was that much fun. And we'll see if it does get that solo mode added in there. I'd like to see nice. it. Nice. They, they heard you. And <laughs> they acted quick. It could be. Yeah. I have no idea. So, but yeah, that was done by Genius Games. So I expect that they're going to be going to Kickstarter relatively soon. Nice. The okay. the box the single piece of box art gives you an idea of what the fun light type art that they're going to be using for it. And I'm going to link over a picture for Albert to All see. Right, everybody. Oh yeah, look at that. That that looks cute. Yeah, it's got like imagine all the protons, neutrons, and electrons, all emojis. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And then the scientists are these fun, friendly scientist type drawings. I just liked all the art. I like the look of where they're going for it. I like the gameplay for it. That's neat. And all their games seem to be uh, educational or scientific invent. Subatomic, yes. Peptide, Ion, Cytosis. That's neat. Yes, that's definitely their thing. Okay. Have you played any of the other games? I have not. Okay. Yeah, they had a couple there, but I didn't play them. I was playing playtest games okay. for the most part. The only game I played that wasn't a playtest game was Lagoon, which was just filling a half hour between other games. 
Ah, the Land of Druids one? Yes. Ah, I like that game. I haven't played in a long time. Oh, I, I, like I didn't, actually. But no? I, we'll have to talk about that in its own segment, I think. Yeah, we should. I'll sh- I need to play it solitaire more, but yeah. But another game I did get a chance to play. Uh-huh. Another Escape the Room, and I want to mention that because I know I've talked about other Escape Room-type games uh, that I've played before. And again, I just don't know that these require a full podcast to uh, to review them escape the room mystery at stargazers manor which is by think fun games mm-hmm. and it's one of their series of games and similar to all these other ones you're trying to pull together a set of four icons or something or colors and p- plug them into the solution wheel and if the solution wheel pops up and shows that you got it right you got it right, and you can continue on with the rest of the instructions. If you got it wrong, well, try finding it again. And it starts with a bunch of envelopes. So this one started with five sealed envelopes. And there were more envelopes and more items inside those envelopes and more things to do. And there was a, it was a really fun game. I really liked this one. Uh, the nature of the puzzles was fun. I think that they, unlike with some other ones, and I'm just going to call it Exit, is where I'm saying with this one. <laughs> it didn't have me doing multiple things at once. There was a progression for how it felt. I did a puzzle. I did a puzzle. I did a puzzle. I cannot imagine doing this with like six players. That would be gross. Doing this with one, if you like puzzles and these sort of things, perfect. I would say two or three is probably the max I would want to play this with. Four would probably be pushing it because, again, it's one puzzle at a time. In fact, with this one specifically, it was literally one puzzle at a time because one point in time, spoiler warning, at one point in time, <laughs> there was a tile placement game that you had to play in the middle of everything else. Imagine like Carcassonne-ish. And you had to solve a Carcassonne-like puzzle before you can move on. And you couldn't do anything else while you were working this puzzle. Play that with four players, you will have three people who are sitting there going, no, don't do that, and you will get nothing done. Or three people who would just be like, we're going to go have coffee. Yeah. (laughs) And so maybe it actually works really well in that case. Yeah. (laughs) It could. So, yeah, again, for Solo, I think this was a lot of fun. I really like the puzzles. I like the quality of it. It's very reusable. Um, Online, none of the components are destroyed. Um, There's a lot of tape that you may or may not care about putting on. Uh, it's pretty easily removable circle tape, but we actually just didn't bother putting any of it back on. We just folded the envelopes back over again. And online, there's a instruction manual for how you put it all back in the box to restore it back to mint condition. And nice. That means that you can easily hand it off. You can play it and then let your kid play it. You can play it and then let your spouse play it or your friends at your game group or someone else who plays Soul in the area grand great i thumbs up for this one this was if you're if you're looking for more escape room type things this one at least mystery at stargazers manor i give it a thumbs up and more than likely i will give a thumb up to the series if the rest of the series works the same i've not got a chance to play any of the others from the series in all honesty this one was on sale which is why i picked it up (laughs) (laughs) if the other ones go on sale i will definitely pick those up because this one gives me a lot of hope for those ones nice okay I think there's two of them right now. I may be wrong. On I that. believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I've been playing a couple games this week and today, actually. I got, um, I was participating in a hostage negotiator around the world thing. Um, have you, have you done any of these? This is where the, the, a, somebody buys a copy of the game and sends it off and it goes all around the world and different people play the game and keep sending it off and eventually gets back home to the owner. I have not. No. Okay. So this is hostage negotiator. By AJ Porfirio, writer, Van Writer Games. Great game. Um, I got the box yesterday. Open it up. It is fun to do that because people add stuff to the box and sometimes take things out. And, and so you, you got a box that's just full of little things from everywhere it's visited, which is just just fun. Um, just going through all that. But I played today. That was a lot of fun. I played against Arcane. And I actually beat him. Oh, so close. We... uh. I was able to lull him into a false sense of confidence. He was kind of trusting me because I met some of his demands. And then when he was walking to his escape vehicle, a sniper shot him and killed him. Ah. That's nice. a fun game. Yeah, it is so thematic. It's amazing how thematic that game is, I think. Every time I play it, I really get into it. Um, but yeah, that's really neat. It makes me want to start another around-the-world thing. You know, It's so easy to do. You just pick a small game 
at get people to sign up and ship it off and hope it makes it back. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it takes a while. So I think this one started last year, or, or if not early this year. Um, and you know, it just it'll sit at a house for a week or two or however long it takes, and then move on to the next one. So yep, so that and I played uh, I played Triplock for the second time today. Have you played that? Yeah, I've got a couple plays of Triplock, and I think again this is going to be. It's so different from so many other games. It's really unique. This is going to require mm-hmm. more time for me to play, and I think you and I are going to sit down and really talk about this one. I think so. Yeah, it, I'm enjoying it. I I am finding that maybe my brain is getting too old because it's it, there's a lot of memorization oh, in yeah. it, and oh, <laughs> it hurts. The first time I played it was a little late at night, and I, I gave up. I said I I can't. I, I just can't even wrap my mind around the concept. Today, I, I, I did a little, I don't know if I did better or worse, a little different. How about that? And it, it's an interesting game. It really is. It's not like the two-player game at all, I think. I think they have a very different feel, but, but I'm finding mm-hmm. it's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got that one. And the other game I, I played lately, which is a Kickstarter I had backed, is Fire of Adelon, which is a neat little game. Um we were talking about it earlier before the show, and you mentioned it's like a Forbidden Island. It, it does have a very big Forbidden Island feel in that the map starts starts disappearing. Um, thematically, it's different in that you're set in a in a fantasy dungeon, but but I'm enjoying it a lot. There's a lot of different characters to pick from, which is one thing I like. I think there's like a dozen different characters, um, and some are pretty darn different, which is neat. Super fast game. I, I'm liking it for for a quick game. It's neat. And gosh, that's about all the things I've been playing. I've been trying to play B seventeen leader, which which I have a review copy and I plan to cover at some episode. But my gosh, it is so hard to, to for me to get that game started because of all the pets at home now. I sit down to play and everybody's coming and wants something from me and I go back I co- you know, I step away, I come back to the table and I totally forgot where it was and I go back two pages in the rule book and start again. So so it's taking me a while to get that one done. But I'm getting there. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> it is. That's definitely adventures from other games that don't require nearly as much to be able to come back and sit down to. Yeah, and like, one, I, mean, I think once I learn it, like it's actually really easy, and I won't have any trouble. I'll be able to play it, and it'll be quick. But it's just that getting through the initial learning with so much uh, help <laughs> is hard. Mm-hmm. I Actually, I took it to the game store the other night, and I played it solo at the game store, and that worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm going to have to do a few times. But yeah, uh, should we jump onto the news? Actually, let's do one other thing, by the way. Just wanted to call out on some of the feedback uh, that we had on our last podcast. We did a, uh, audio playthrough, um, on the last one where Albert and I were talking about ancient artifacts. And we got a lot of feedback to it, and it was almost all really positive about it. We had some comments and critique, which I think I talked about in the thread going on in our guild, and feel free to go. Uh, if you ever got any more comments about that, feel free to go let us know over there. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like a lot of people were really positive. A lot of people really enjoyed that. I assume that you've been receiving the same thing, Albert. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I I was surprised it worked, honestly. I, I was skeptical from the beginning. Oh, it's not going to work. You know, listening to people play games without seeing what's going on. And, and it came out well. I think you did a great job editing that, honestly. Oh, yeah, that was <laughs> I'll tell you the biggest trick of doing that is editing it down and making sure there's enough dialogue describing what we're doing and things like that, because that had actually been about a 50 minute gameplay that we cut down to 12 minutes. Wow, yeah, it's like a fourth. Right. And so being able to take out all of the best parts and so get rid of all the, hmm, should I roll again? Where do you go? Albert, what, what color are you doing? <laughs> Things like that. So you want to get rid of all of that, but still make sure that there's enough patter going through everything that it's good. And I think that there's definitely going to be some games that are going to work better for it and some games that won't. And I think that for some games, it's going to have to be just a turn or two or just the last turn or two, which are probably the best ones of the game if you are familiar with it. Uh, the next one that I think I want to do that for, I know that Albert and I are ramping up to try and do a review of Hot Shots. I think that would probably be a good one to be able to do it in that kind of segment for. Mm, okay. So That'd we'll be, see yeah. if we can get that done uh, for the next time that we're doing something like this. Yeah, that, that we'll, we'll definitely try this again because it, it worked well. So expect to hear more of that, and we really appreciate all the feedback on that. That said, Albert, why don't you go ahead and take us away to the news? 
All right, so, so there's a little bit of news. The first up, you know, and I, I feel bad saying this, but I totally missed the, the print and play solitaire design contest this year. You know, I don't know, just like I keep saying I'm busy. Um, but the contest ended. The winners were announced uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different categories, a lot of different games, and a lot of different winners. But I'm going to mention just the, the top three winners in the main category. The third place was Snowbirds by Brian Gathwaite. Second was Raging Bulls by Mark Tuck. And first was Black Sonata by John Keane. Um, so congratulations to you, to all the winners and participants and everything. Because it is such a neat contest. I really, even if I don't actually follow along, I do appreciate it and enjoy it. Uh, did you follow along at all this year, Julius? Nope. Didn't even know it was happening. Yeah, I I mean, I, I knew it was going on somewhere. If I remember correctly, this year was a shorter contest, a shorter time period to participate in it. But there's still a ton What's of that? games. From That's the, why I think did so. they do that? Um, I think Julius, uh, not Julius, I'm sorry. I think Chris just, you know, he didn't really have the time to do it. The, like in the past, he did it all year long. Basically, huh. from January first through whenever the contest ended, you could work on the game and announcing it was just it was just too much for him. Which okay, well. makes sense. The, the more time you have it open, the more entries you're going to have, and just the more work there is. <laughs> I hear that. Mm-hmm. So usually we've had Chris on the show to talk about the game about the contest. We aren't doing it this year, but uh, they're going to be doing it every night is game night, and I'm going to be appearing on on them with that hopefully, and with Chris when when that comes out. So check it out in a few weeks. Uh, other news. I have one other piece of news. The oh, surprise. Go sort of it. news. Yeah. <laughs> this is the challenge coin for the one player guild. It is finally underway again. You know, I had really stalled out on that. And, um, I finally got an, an image up and done and been sharing it with the people in the guild. And <laughs> it, it looks like to, to mix debate. Yes. To mix debate, <laughs> you know, it, there seems to be enough interest that it'll do. Okay. And and that's, you know, even if it's not the most popular design, I am personally okay with that. I will go ahead and go with it. And if there is enough interest, it will fund in Kickstarter and it'll get made. If not, you know, it won't. And that's fine too. Um, but the, this is the one player guild sock puppet is what the image is going to be on the back. Um, hopefully this is going to be up in Kickstarter in the next, I could say as soon as two weeks. Which, you know, at this point is the end of the year. And um, that's going to be troublesome. People are going to be getting it at Christmas or after, potentially. Hey, as long as it's getting here before 2018, it's okay. Before the end of 2018? Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, especially if you're in Europe, it's it's going to be hard. And honestly, the thing is not so much the coin, but the dice. If if I do dice with it, the, the coin is here in about two weeks after I place the order. So depending how long the Kickstarter is, it could be pretty quick. It's the the dice. I think took six weeks. Well, have you considered just doing the coin? I I have, and but a lot of people were interested in the dice also. So I think what I will do is I will. I, I've already said I'm going to do the coin Kickstarter only, and then have a stretch go of adding um an an option to add on dice after. You got to mm-hmm. unlock the dice, and you know a lot of people know if you want the dice, it's going to add four weeks to the to your shipment if you don't if you only get the coin you'll get it right away so there you go there there's also some difficulties with doing it at the end of the year and taxes and stuff like that you know i think it works out fine but basically if you spend the money in 2017 it gets taxed differently than you spend in 2018 you know that that's just stuff to to enjoy going through later on it's the joys of kickstarter yep and have you already considered what you're going to be doing for the next coin Oh, no idea, no idea. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know that I have that many ideas. People have suggested themes on, on different, like solo themes or solo type games. If you need to do a top hundred coin, you know, putting some people's avatars on there might be fun. I thought it'd be fun to have a solo game on a coin, so you have you have your own portable one player game wherever you go. Like a, <laughs> I don't think you can get a single game on a coin. Well, there's a meme that's a flip a coin. If it's heads, you win. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen that meme? Don't look at this chicken. And no. if you look at it, if you look at it, then it says you lose. Nice. <laughs> so you always lose the game whenever you play, basically. But that, you know, that's that's a fun gag. But you know, I don't know. It, it works best when more people get involved. Honestly, when it's just me, it's it's hard to come up with ideas and. I think and be consistently creative. So, the, so more people involved, the better. 
I mean, I kind of like the idea. This year, it's definitely an inside joke because you're doing this sock puppet thing. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely an inside joke. And I know about it. I've been following along about it. And I, I recall it coming up. And I think it's funny. I think it's cute. But that's because, you know, there's there's a certain amount of personal memory that goes into all of that. Our guild at this point in time is is large enough that I'm not sure that everybody follows along in every single inside joke that happens. Oh, I'm sure. I, I suppose don't. <laughs> that may just be a problem that you know continued size as we have it becomes. But yeah, and no matter what, you know, not everybody's going to like every coin, no matter what. Yeah, and, that's true. You know, at, at some point, you just have to accept that. Now, if you're like me, an obsessive collector, then you'll back them all anyway. Yeah. Okay. Who cares how bad it is? Yeah. But, but yep. So anyway, so that, that is underway. If you are interested, you should go follow along in the one player guild and, and maybe have some little bit more input uh, before it all happens. And if not, just watch for it on Kickstarter. That said, I think we're plenty of time in through this podcast. Let's go ahead and move on to our view of the week. Mechs versus minions. All right, and so this is a, a pretty new game, right? It's like nine months old or so, a year old? I, well, hold it. It's old, old. <laughs> you weren't ready for that. I mean, I don't think it's that old. I'm trying to see if it was actually released in 2016 or when it came out. Yeah, that's a, it's a 2016 game. Okay, so it's maybe so, a year but, old. I mean, I don't know what you consider it as being new or not, but it's also having a really interesting distribution. But for anybody who's not familiar with it, let's start by actually talking about what Mechs vs. Minions is. Mechs vs. Minions is an action programming game where you control a number of mechs. And these are these robots with crazy things, and you're going to have a command line. And at the beginning of each round, you and the other players are going to be drafting cards from a tableau and putting them into your own personal tableau, which is going to program how your mech's going to move around. So he may do damage, or he may turn, or he may charge forward, or one of the various different actions. And across the field is going to be a number of minions. And these are just generic bad guys, zombie-type things. Uh, they're just guys that continue to pop up, take a damage, they die, and keep rinse-repeat. Uh cannon fodder, I believe is the best term for these kind of guys. <laughs> and you will just mow through along with them. And there's 10 scenarios that come in the game. So each scenario has its own different win condition. Continue to mow through all of the minions using your programmed cards until you complete the scenario objectives and you win. It is a co-op game, but which is listed as between two to four players. Okay. So that's neat. So, and so this game, it, like you said, is really interesting because of the distribution channel that it went through. Right. This is not available on regular distribution. And we'll just go ahead and throw this out there. This is a $75 game, which comes with some really amazing things for, uh, well, really amazing for that cost. It comes with, first of all, it comes with four pre-painted mech miniatures. And these guys are pretty large mech mi painted miniatures, and they look really nice. It also comes with a 100 miniatures for the minions, which are in four models, or three models, I think, in three different models. And so they're not all the same. It also comes with a miniature for a bomb power source, uh, six metal coins, four plastic coin-type things, uh, four dice and a sand timer in addition to a whole pile of cards and the 10 scenarios and a vacuum formed uh, insert, which is actually four inserts stacked on top of each other and one gigantic minion. And that's a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> Take it back. I'll cut that out. No, nah, because I really want to mention it later. We'll get back to that. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a lot of stuff. Honestly, you lost me about halfway through because there's so much. <laughs> right. A hundred, a hundred unpainted minis and four really nicely large painted minis. In addition to the vacuum foreign and the metal coins and all that for $75 is, it's such a great value for that amount of money. It's a really great value. And at this point in time, it's just available. It used to be you had to pre-order it and it would come out. But at this point in time, you can just order it straight from the Riot Games' website. Mm-hmm. 
That's neat. Okay. I remember looking into it before. It's just, just impossible to get. No, at this point in time, all you have to do is just go to Riot Games' website and put in, I want this game, and purchase it, and it just comes. Nice. And it shows up pretty quick? Well, I mean, I ordered it when it was still on pre-order. Okay. But at this point in time, it's just available. And I don't know if they're ever going to go out of availability. I think they intend to continue to keep it in availability. They'll just keep going with it, guys. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's as easily available as any other game. You know, you you can't get it as you, at your local game store, but, it's, you know, any other game that you're buying online, sure, just go ahead and do it. Don't buy it from Amazon or eBay or anything like that. It's straight up $75 from their web store. That's it. Nice. Okay. Okay. And so so what's this game about? It's a, it's a sci-fi-ish, horror sounding kind of game. Now, when you say mechs, these are not mechs like I'm used to, like, a giant robots where somebody's sitting in their little head. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It is like that? Okay. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're not giant, although I don't have any scale for it because it's just the mechs and the minions on the board. So I have no idea. But yeah, they're robots with people on their heads and you're controlling them around. The whole idea of it, there's a whole set of radio play, and I'll probably get back to this in a sec for theme. But there's a whole set of radio play that you're going through with it, which gives it a sort of light type because it's kind of chaotic. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. Those are the mechs. Mm, Okay. So now that we've given enough of a summary for people to understand, let's go ahead and go through our normal rubric. So the first thing we talk about is the rules. Like I said, there's 10 scenarios. The first scenario, which is actually scenario zero, is the tutorial mission. And there's a, there's a video available on the website for a tutorial. There's a watch it played. And if you watch the video tutorial, it's a two-minute summary of exactly what the rules tell you. The starting rules are really simple. It you draft the card, you put in your lineup, you run your lineup, the minions move towards you, beat the minions. And it's really super simple. And each time it, you go through another mission, they'll usually add extra rules. So they'll start adding spoilers. They'll start adding rune gates. They'll start adding boss mechs. They'll start adding lava or they'll start adding the school and various or they'll start adding the bomb. And various and sundry different things go through to add more rules, to add complexity. But they're always adding them slowly, one more for each scenario. And each scenario is in its own closed envelope. So you're never having to learn a whole bunch at one time, with one exception. So that meant the rules were really easy to pick up, really easy to go through. So if you have a lot of trouble with rules, this is a really easy game to to do that with. And I did say with one exception, caveat, There was one mission that for us added too many rules all at once. It added lava and rune gates and the shield that you were trying to pierce as the mission objective. And it was more rules than any of the other scenarios either before or after that added at once. And so for that one, we actually did have to play through it once to understand all the rules and then play through it again, you know, to actually beat the mission. That's not that big of a deal, but it, it just to show you like how easy the curve is of rules that when we have to play through it once, just understand it briefly, then we play it. And you, we never had to do that before. Just to me, that shows how easy the rules curve is for this game. Super easy to get the rules. Super well-written, super colorful, super great with the rules. Nice. Okay. Now, is this the kind of game, it's got 10 missions that, that you play through it once and you're done? I mean, there's no reason to be done with it. Okay. So it's not like some sort of a... There's like no legacy. There's no destruction of it. Destruct- okay. No, there's no destruction of it. No, the, the scenarios are just scenarios. Like Wizards Academy um, would be another example. It's just They are just scenarios. It just happens to be that the first scenarios are more complicated than the latest scenarios. Or Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, for example. Um the, okay. the earlier ones are more simple than the later ones, but you can go back and play the earlier ones as many times as you like. Or if you pull it up with a new group and you say, okay, they haven't played the game before. Let's go play the earlier scenario. There's nothing stopping you. Gotcha. Okay. So that's with those ones. Um, let's talk about the components. And I think I've already gone through the components briefly when I was going through the summary. Again, for $75, 
it's really good. Um, but I, I think I basically covered all the good things about it. That's correct, Albert? <laughs> I guess so. I didn't know. Does it use dice? It does use dice. There are uh, there are two 12-sided dice and two 6-sided dice that are included in there. Okay. Um, they're also really nice, but the dice are minimal. The dice are used just for determining where damage goes or which direction you go facing or things like that. The dice use is pretty minimal. Okay. So I think I've covered basically all the good things already. Really good components. A minor nitpick for me is that the insert is is good, especially that, like I said, there's those multiple different models for the minions. Each minion can actually fit in every single slot because the way they design the slots, you don't have to figure out how they go. So it's really easy to get the minions back in. But if you're putting it back all in that box – you have to spend the time putting each individual minion in. And that's a hundred minions each time. <laughs> Many games, we were just dumping out the whole minions and then putting them all back. I don't know. I kind of wish I would have been able to just put a box or a bag of minions somewhere back in the box. The box is large and stacked full of stuff. So there's no room to replace something and put just a box of minions in there instead. Mm-hmm. So... so- I'm looking yeah. on, on BGG, and this is a, a 13-pound game, 12.85 pounds, or 5.8 yes. kilograms. It, it is big. <laughs> it is big, and it has a lot of stuff in it. So there's no real room to do that. So you kind of are just re- required to meticulously put back all the minions back in the insert each time. Do, how many do you use in a, in a given game? Uh, there were definitely some scenarios where we were getting up to 80 minions. Wow. Okay. I don't know that we ever used all of them, but there were definitely times where we were feeling pretty overwhelmed. Now then, I think if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're going down, but there were definitely times where we were starting to feel overwhelmed and pulling all the minions in. Um, so that's one nitpick. Next nitpick I want to mention, again, the guys who developed this game, they are not really like board game community members. They're not standard designers. So I feel like they didn't, you know, they, they don't have the touch points that a standard designer coming from Fantasy Flight would know. That, for example, they would kind of know a lot of people like to sleeve their cards, so maybe we should leave room for sleeves. Now then, granted, so many people mess that up with their inserts, but so many people also are clearly designing their inserts to be thrown away. And this one is clearly not being designed to be thrown away, but on the other hand, the insert was designed by people who do have the touch point. All that said, all that a point, for me, the cards that the player cards get shuffled every game and there's a big stack of them. And those cards are starting to show some, show some wear. There's, they're black bordered cards. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for Nicks to start being visible. So I've actually had to sleeve them. And once they're sleeved, they don't really fit in the insert. So, I mean, they're kind of, they kind of fit in there, but then, the stack goes higher. And so I had to put them in another plastic bag and just sort of shove them in on the side somewhere else. Gosh, I don't know okay. any easy way to fix that. <laughs> and so you had to throw away your insert. I did not throw away the insert oh. because everything else that's in the insert still needs to fit with all the other stuff that's in there. I couldn't figure out any easy way to do this without having that insert. So I've still got the insert, but you know, I'm I'm not in love with the insert because of those two issues. Okay, got you. So those those two things are certainly an issue involved there. Um, the last issue that I had was the way the insert is designed. There's actually like four levels to the insert. And so one insert at the bottom with the map pieces and then minions and then minions plus coins and things plus the mechs on the side and so there's levels and how everything goes together and there's no like diagram for how to do it and you have to put it back the right way for the box to close and for everything to fit in and there is one right way and there's no real diagram for how to put that all in there and that could have been added in there like other queen big box games or some of the better big box games have a diagram for where things go and how it all fits back in and mm-hmm. I kind of wish it had had that because the first few times I had to be like, okay, wait, 
I took everything out. How do I get it all back in? <laughs> what do I do now? And I had to sort of like turn it around this way and be like, okay, does this one go on top? No. Okay. So this one doesn't go on top and mess with it until I can figure out which one goes where. And I did find it out, but I just wish that I had a diagram somewhere to be able to put it in. Mm-hmm. That really and, makes a huge difference. Right. And those are the extents of my nits with the components. Overall, again, I just want to make this very clear. The components are amazing. The box quality is a fixed box quality. The miniatures are really great scale, really great detail for the ones that are painted, are really well painted, really nice metal coins, very colorblind friendly because all there's four different colors of directions and those four different colors show up from multiple mechanics. And all of those have both a color and an icon. The colors on the cards all have a color and an icon. So it's very colorblind friendly, very accessible, very easy to see, very easy to – everything does fit back in the board. Everything goes back in the board well and is really high quality, really, really high quality. Just great stuff. And so I really, I, I know I've made mention of some of those nits and those nits do bug me and I wish I had solutions for them, but the components are really good for this game, especially for a $75 game. Okay. So about the gameplay, I mean, is it, how's the gameplay? Is it fun? Is it fast or what? Uh, the gameplay is quite chaotic. So like I said, the core mechanic for this game is programming. Um, and the first, each round works like this. The first thing you do is you lay out a tableau of cards. And so I'm going to talk multiplayer because the rules don't have solitaire rules, and I'll get back to that later. But a multiplayer, you'll lay out a tableau of cards, and each player will take turns picking one of those cards. Once everyone's picked one of those, those player cards, they'll put them into their tableau, and you have six slots. And if you stack up a, a like type of cards, so there's four types. There's energy, computery, I forget what the other two are, but they're yellow, blue, green, and uh, red, which is fire. And so when you stack a like type on a like type, you get access to the more power, more powerful version of that card. So you'll program out your board, but sometimes you'll run through your whole lineup and end up in the wrong direction, especially if somebody else had bumped you or something like this, because all the players can interact, all the players can move each other around. And once you've programmed your board, you're stuck with it. That's where your mech is going to go. And as you take damage, if you end your turn adjacent to a minion, or if you walk through lava or bump into spikes or various other things, um, you can end up taking damage. And those damage can also sometimes get put in your command line, which will also make you go in all random directions and have to keep you going in those places. So there's a lot of programming. There's a lot of control. But on the other hand, there can be a lot of chaos. You can end up bumping into somebody else, and it totally ruins your plan. It totally sends you off in the wrong direction, and things can just go from bad to worse, which is fun. Yeah. Neat. Okay. All of that is really a lot of fun. That core gameplay is really a lot of fun. I like the programming. I like the chaotic elements that get mixed into it, but it's not so chaotic that I don't maintain control. I'm still doing all that programming. I'm still having a lot of fun doing that programming and interacting. It's really good. Really fun gameplay. You mentioned with regard to the scenarios. Mm -hmm. There are 10 scenarios. Unlike with something like Wizards Academy, the earlier scenarios have less complexity than the later scenarios, which I believe is similar to Harry Potter uh, deck building game, which means that after you've played through and you've sort of been exposed to the extra things, for me, going back to the earlier missions... They're not as much fun because mm. they don't involve all those cool extra mechanics that were involved in the earlier ones. Okay. That was going to be There's, my next question. Are, are, the, are the early scenarios throwaway scenarios? They're not throwaway scenarios, especially because once you've gone through the whole thing, the last envelope you open up, spoiler, is a hard mode. And for that hard mode, it adds ways to make the earlier scenarios harder, adds a set of achievements. So you can go back and you can make those harder, but they're harder without adding in the complexity of some of those other things that can come up later on. Rune gates, boss mechs, things like that. 
You may want that sort of thing. You may not want that sort of thing. For me, probably the last half of the scenarios are more fun than the sec than the first half of the scenarios. Mm-hmm. But okay. still, that's still multiple scenarios in a game that could have had just one scenario. It could have. Okay. Um, in addition to adding some replayability to it. So there are those scenarios now. So currently you're limited to the 10. I think it's, I keep saying 10 and I think it's 10, but you're limited to the 10 scenarios involved. Um, they have recently released an online scenario creator. So you can go onto their website and use, use their, their thing there to create new scenarios, to create new things, to, to play with the game excuse me, to play with the game in different ways and create something you can put out there. And there's puzzles that are being put out there. There's actually a a blog that's being put out by the designers of other people's submissions for puzzles to try and beat the game. And, you know, theoretically, if you start involving all the other scenarios, you could have unlimited ones. I'd really love to start seeing some people from the guild start adding some of their own scenarios and start getting some more challenge scenarios like we have for many other games going on in the guild. I'd love to start seeing those. And with this scenario builder, there's no real reason why not to. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a really fun way of doing it and it's a lot of fun. Nice, okay. That sounds pretty cool. So, Julius, I mean, there is one question everybody's wanting to know the answer to. What's it missing? No, no, not really. Um, okay, so you have always mentioned every time we talk about a game on Kickstarter how you dislike minis games and how you have no interest in the minis. Do you yes. think the, the minis added anything to this? The, Are you happier because it has minis? Well, it's pre, they're pre-painted minis. Something mm-hmm. I don't like about minis often is that they're not painted and so it's really easy the just with pre with unpainted minis for them to all just blend together. The player character ones are painted. Mm-hmm. And painted minis I really like. It, they're just a really expensive component. These are painted. These look yep. really nice. The minis for all of the mechs did not need to be minis. They're they're zombies, essentially. They're cannon fodder. It could have been tokens. Being that they're minis for the same cost, you know, they are what they are. It doesn't do anything for me. Gotcha. I mean, it's it's a nice component to have. It is a nice component to have. I just normally don't think that I want to pay the extra cost for those minis. And I wouldn't here. But for a $75 game for everything that's coming in it, I think that it's cheap enough that I'm not, I'm not bothered by that fact for this one. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. And you, you mentioned that there's three types of enemies. Are are they mechanically different or just no? They're aesthetically? not mechanically different at all. Okay. They just blend into one one giant gray mass. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, mm-hmm. Did you have another question? No, I was gonna say it sounds very cool. That was it. I'm done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me talk about a couple other gameplay points that I did want to bring out. Um. One of my favorite gameplay unlocks was this big boss. Prepare for spoiler and skip ahead a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear about the big boss. But you probably know there's a big boss because when you open the game, there's a big box which says don't open. (laughs) That one (laughs) has a giant mini, which is also pre-painted. Nice. When you do that, it's basically like a player character which is being controlled by Otama, essentially. And he gets more powerful in the same way that you do. He builds up light cards at the end of every round. He gets to shoot off across the entire board and just run around causing chaos and doing all sorts of bad stuff. And you guys are forced to draft one card for him in each round. And if he ever has three of one type of card, he launches his GG cannon game over cannon or good game cannon. Um, and you lose the scenario and I really like that one. And every time he came out in the scenario, I was like, oh boy, we're going to use him again. <laughs> that was one of my favorite gameplay elements was using that big boss. And I like playing with him. It's fun. Neat. And how far into the game does he get introduced? 
Uh, I couldn't tell you. I think he's the fourth scenario that he comes out. Oh, okay, so early on. Yeah, early on. I think that there's three or four that use him. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. But he was relatively re- uh, reoccurring. I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, he's not used enough. He was relatively reoccurring. I liked him out there, but he was just really exciting and fun to play with. I liked that mechanic. One scenario, though, was annoying. And I kind of would you know, recommend skipping over it. Um, if I say escort mission, are you familiar with that term, Albert? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it was an escort mission where essentially you're having to babysit a bomb and move a bomb all the way from one end of the board to the other. And if it got hit a number of times, then you lose. Every round, you had to roll a die. If the die came up on certain numbers, the bomb took a hit. <laughs> oh, Nothing you could do. No control. No stopping it. The bomb just took a hit if you rolled the die. If you so rolled just, the die, 50-50. So it's just totally random. Yeah. So the game could either last forever or, or end in just a few rounds. Well, I mean, all the normal stuff, the, the fact that there's more mechs, more minions coming on the board, the fact that you could get clogged down, all that normal stuff is still there. But that scenario, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with all the other good scenarios on the box, this scenario just was was not good. That one scenario out of all of them sort of shown through as a bad scenario. You know, maybe that, that is the exception that proves the rule that all the other ones are good scenarios. <laughs> but this one scenario was pretty bad. And, that, and the fact that it's a random die roll that kills you and there's nothing you can do about it. There's no stopping it other than move faster or find healing. And that's it. And, mm-hmm. uh... Uh, yeah, and, and I realize it's nitpicking, but I mean, th- and this is kind of where it shows where you're saying that they're not seasoned game designers. I think it would have been easier to to do that mechanic in a slightly different way to to add actual tension to the game. Yeah, to add tension and control. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, it really shows they really did a good job. Um, you know, they they had clear gameplay, clear rules, really pretty design. And everything, everything about this looks really good. There are a couple of things out there that just aren't great. And again, you know, I've mentioned this before. No game is perfect. And I feel like if I were just to tell you all the good stuff without telling you all the bad stuff, I'm not letting you as listeners be able to reach your own decision. So I've got to tell you what it is that I liked and what I didn't like. And mm-hmm. so this one scenario, I just didn't like. And, you know, take it or leave it is what it is. And I would, you know, <laughs> Of course, I would never actually not play it because, you know, I'm a completionist, but, <laughs> yeah. but I would have to. But I mean, for all the other scenarios, there was definitely a sense of progression. Something kept getting worse as you played through it. Um, whether it's the boss guys or more mechs coming out or the lava's coming faster or something kept pushing you towards it. With this one, there just, there just wasn't. There just wasn't. So, yeah, but like I'm saying, overall, the gameplay was really fun, really A-class. Okay. Let's pause, though, and talk about Solo. Or lack thereof. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I assumed it's just a multiplayer. You're playing two hands or three or however many. You could, but here's the problem. As part of the rules, there's this timer. You have to do the draft in one minute. If you don't finish the draft in a minute, whoever didn't draft gets a random card. So if you're playing multi-handed, well, are you having to draft your own cards in a minute? That's really easy because there's no conversation, no nothing, and you know what you want. There's no one to argue about. There's no miscommunication. It doesn't add any – at one minute, for me, it didn't add any stress and there was no reason to have it in there. But on the other hand, when you play multiplayer, it's a good stress to have. It keeps the game moving. It keeps the game advancing because with only a minute, everyone's got to make a decision and then act on that decision, which it meant that you didn't get bogged down having to pre-program, pre-time just absolutely everything. So how do you do it solo? You could just leave out the timer and do what you want. You could do it exactly the same way as it is, have that timer, flip that hourglass, keep track of it, and not really get, the, in my opinion, not get any attention out of it. 
or do what I did, which was get another timer, put a three-minute timer on it, and say that you have a three-minute timer for drafting and for programming. Usually, once you draft it, you have as much time as you want to think about how you're going to program it and how you're going to do strategy and how you do everything else. So I gave myself a three-minute timer, which, you know, I'm playing alone and I made up my own rules. So if I felt like being flexible because I was tired, I could. But I gave myself a three-minute timer for how long I could do for programming in addition to drafting. And then I still wasn't getting bogged down having to program everything else out. At that point in time, I had to finish it. And if I didn't finish it, I was just stuck. I, I couldn't finish it and I was done. And that kept the game moving. And so that's how I played solo. But there's nothing in the rules about what they expect you to solo. I expect they didn't expect you to do solo. <laughs> hmm. That's okay. that's my expectation. I just don't think they had the touchstone with the broader board game industry. Because again, you know, two of their main people that they're talking to is Tom Vassell and Jamie from the um, Secret Cabal podcast. To my understanding, that was their two of their main contacts in the industry. Neither uh, okay. of which are. You know, big people are going to mention, hey, you should maybe have a Zolo version. Right, yeah. It doesn't matter to them. No. So it just didn't it just didn't get put in there, so you're left to your own devices. But I think that the game itself is flexible enough that you can pick probably one of those three that I just mentioned, whichever is most fun for you, and just do it and get a lot out of the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Okay. It sounds like a good game. Sounds like a, a fun solo experience. I Yeah, it's definitely a fun game. I really liked it. I really liked everything that goes through it. I liked the fact that they had a hard mode so you could go back through it again. It's still quite replayable. Um, it's, it's not – and I want to emphasize this. With the scenarios, it's not that you play the scenarios and you never play the scenarios again. Because then it's not worth it for $75. But if you're going to play those scenarios multiple times, there's no reason why you shouldn't, especially with the hard mode. And if you're going to play some of the puzzles, and if somebody on the guild, somebody on the guild, please do this. If somebody on the guild starts doing challenges and things like that, you know, you'll get a lot of replayability out of it. And it's a really good game. And I do really recommend it. So it definitely gets a thumbs up from me. I would love to see an expansion that has new enemies, new player cards, new scenarios. Um, I mean, I know Riot Games has said that they're not planning on doing that and that it's not likely that they will ever plan to do that because they did this because they wanted to because it was fun. But mm-hmm. And it's, this is not a moneymaker for them, apparently, right? I mean, th- this is I have n- I assume it's not, but they're making plenty of money from the video game side of stuff. Right. You know, I would love to see a random generator in, in the online thing where you just push a button – and it creates a random a random scenario that uses just a mix up of all the other elements and everything involved just to do something random and sit down and play. I would love to see something like that even. That's a digital expansion that they could do because they already have the generator there or just pick up a random player submitted one which could be good could be bad I guess. You know, it's no worse than video games that have that sort of thing. But yeah, so I mean that's all in terms of expansions. Um, I definitely like the game. As long as you're going to be playing with replayability, I definitely recommend it. So it definitely gets a thumbs up from me. Okay. Well, very cool. All right. Um, I, I guess assume you had no final questions. I have no final questions. I mean, I think you described it pretty well. Um, it sounds like a neat game. It's got minis. It's oh, I do. How long does the the average scenario last? Or, or uh, about an hour. The longest. About an hour. Okay. Yeah. Is the, about the an first hour. one quicker? What? Is the first scenario quicker if you've already uh, No, it is not. Fight? Okay. Because it's – although it has less rules, that's got the same amount of enemies coming out and you'd have to take time learning how to do the game and it's a little bit slower. So, yeah, it's usually about an hour to, to go through everything. If it's your first time in a scenario, it may take you an extra 20, 30 minutes to figure out the scenario and figure it out for setup. If you're familiar with it, if you're really comfortable with moving and grooving, it'll take you less time. But yeah, about an hour. About an hour for it. Okay. Very cool. So anyway, yeah, that's Mechs versus Minions. Go out and get it. All right. Very cool. Thank you. Thanks for covering that one because I have been curious about it, even though I haven't gotten it. And don't know that I will. Why won't you? Um... I, I am just currently have a thing against uh, adventure dungeon crawly type games. Not for any good reason. Just it's, you know, it's a thing to do. 
That's all. Honestly, I don't know why. Don't ask me. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you around. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. That's all, everybody. Thank you. Go away. Bye.